This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Now as we enter the epilogue, the end of Job's story, we need to let the scriptures lead us to the right conclusions that God intends from this book. The theme of Job, and I hope you'll be able to repeat this theme, is that the Lord is working to bring Job back into a relationship of absolute trust. Whatever God is doing in your life and my life, it's intended to strengthen our faith or return us to a place where we are living in absolute trust of our God. Because he is always just, unfailing, and full of compassion regardless of of our circumstances. Uh, Josh and Sarah, as I was preparing the message this week, I thought of you guys. For months and months and months, we've prayed about your situation in Chew. It shouldn't cause any of us to question God's ability to be God. And we're all going to rejoice very soon in his wonderful plan that has been at work all along because he is always just, unfailing, and full of compassion. He can't stop being God. Now, most of us know how the book of Job ends, where God restores double all that Job had. How many of you like that ending? I like that. Okay, all right. But be careful what you conclude about that ending. Our minds can think this is one of the lessons of the book. Respond to God properly and he'll bless you materially. Thank you. You're already encouraging me. Some of you are going, that isn't it. No, that's not it. Job had done nothing to earn possessions from God at the beginning. By the way, you haven't either. Neither have I. And the restoration of possessions was simply God's gift. God being God. Was he any less God when he allowed Job's possessions to be taken away? No, he's still God. When Job's health was taken away, well, maybe God doesn't love me as much. Oh, no, no, he's still God. His love can't change. He knows what he's doing in you. God is showing the reader that he can, go back to verse 2 of chapter 42, he can do everything he purposes to do, even if he allows his arch enemy, Satan, to take everything away. Do you know this? He can allow the enemy to take all that you have, but if you still have God, you have all you need. So God chooses to vindicate himself and Job by restoring Job's possessions. But whether here on earth or in eternity, God will be vindicated. As you study the book of Job, you have in the first two chapters your focus taken to heaven. The rest of the book is is frankly what's happening here. But one of the other things that we're going to see this morning is Job ends his life or or comes to the end of his life 
that that's not the end of Job's life. Well, uh, it, it's a wonderful ending, and, and Job was happy when he died. Do you know there is still Job? He's still in heaven. He still is a living human, but now in the presence of God. Don't think for a moment, Satan in your flesh will want you to think this, that whatever happens to you here has some finality to it. No, no. God's in control, and you are eternal. Now, it also is a mistake to think that Job's happiness returned because his possessions were returned. In chapter 42, verse 6, Job is still in broken health as he sits in dust and ashes. His health, his possessions are still gone. His children are still dead, but he is at peace with God and himself. Job is not the righteous, is not, I'm sorry, Job is not just the righteous man of chapters 1 and 2. He is now a better man of faith who has learned to agree with what he knows to be true of his God even when the forces of, of hell are unleashed on him. So he's a better man. You know, God is not working to make you uh, ha- working so that you have a better place in life here. He is working to make you better into the image of Christ because you are guaranteed, if you're saved, a better place there. In fact, you can't even imagine what's waiting for you when you're with Jesus. So as we close our study in the book, we need to see how God completes his great work not only in Job's life, but in the lives of everyone in his orb. Ultimately, God shows Job and his people in all ages that he is able to wholly restore all things in our lives. Now, whether he chooses to do that from the matter of physical possessions, that's up to him. But he's able to, to do it exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so where the menace of sin abounds, and you live on the same earth Job did, grace does much more abound. So I've entitled the message this morning, Job's Epilogue of Grace. Job's Epilogue of Grace. Everything that we see up through the end of the book is God's gracious working in Job's life and in those around him. Look at verse 7 now as we pick up the text. Chapter 42, verse 7, And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite. Now, why him? Some have suggested he was the oldest. Uh, He seems to have been the spokesman as you study the book. Perhaps the notion of Job's guilt started with him, and the others then added their agreement. But there's a reason God points out Eliphaz. Here's what he says, my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. Now, God had heard Job's words, but he had also heard the words of Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. How do we know? Well, the Holy Spirit, who gives us the scripture, he decided to give us the eternal record of what those other guys said, too. Have you ever paused to consider that what you say is eternal record? 
Every word will be brought into account. God hears whatever you say, even if you say it in a whisper or you think it. He knows. Now what is God's conclusion about what these men said to Job? For ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Now this is where we have to be careful how we interpret the text. All right, because, well, the Lord just brought Job to a place where he repents about what he has said. So is, what, what is the Lord exactly saying here? Well, here's what I believe it's, it's teaching uh, based on the record in Scripture. Job has just been confronted by God and has agreed with God, speaking what is right, and now he has been reconciled to God. I think these final words are what the text is talking about, what, what the Lord is saying to Eliphaz. Job's right with me based on what he says. You're not, and it's time for you to get right too. These other men needed to be reconciled to God just as Job was. Job is right with the Lord. They're not. And so this is God's grace to them to make it right. God isn't swinging a bat saying, or else. He is saying, all right, he's right. We've been reconciled. Now it's your turn. God made you to be reconciled to him. He didn't make you so that he could kick you around on this earth and play games with your life. He loves you. God so loved the world, and he proved it. He gave you his son. All right, so that that love should not be questioned. He is not looking for a reason to hurt you. That's your flesh talk, and that's the enemy talking. That is not God's revelation. And so... Let's look at God's grace for reconciliation. This is verses 7 to 11. The last few weeks, I've been emphasizing the truth that God's compassion for Job has never diminished. Four times now in verses 7 and 8, you're going to see God refer to Job as my servant Job. You can count them. Four times that happens. Don't miss this reality. God's care for Job and Job's relationship to his Lord never changed even though he called God's justice into question. Now here's the human side. You and I can do things and think, well, God's not going to like me anymore. God's just going to toss me aside. He doesn't care about me anymore. Again, that's your flesh. That may be the enemy. That is not God. My servant Job. And you need to let the scripture teach uh, or speak to this. The Lord has a hundred sheep, and if 99 are in the fold and there's one straying, where's God? He's going after that one straying sheep. Now God shows his care for Job's companions by giving them the opportunity to be right with him and with Job. Both must happen, note, for reconciliation to be complete. And the text weaves these two together. Again, you and I need to be right with each other and with God in order for us to be right with each other and God. All of our relationships work in tandem. Watch how this happens in Job. Verse 8. 
Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job shall pray for you. On Job's part, there is no better way to heal than to ask the Lord to forgive those who have come to you for forgiveness of a wrong. Say, well, I, I don't, something's not right between me and somebody else, all right? Best thing, way to respond to that is, first of all, start praying for them. Pray for them and say, Lord, now as I follow your word to restore this, God, would you bring them in a, in, to a place where we can be reconciled to you and to each other? Start with prayer. Also, don't miss the necessary humiliation that God is requiring of these companions. Did God humiliate Job? Yes or no? Yes, all those questions. Here's where I'm at, Job. Here's you. Answer me. Come on, answer. I I just asked you a question. Where were you when I created the heavens? All right. Job gets a picture. Do you know what needs to happen with these other guys? They need the humiliation that will bring them to repentance as well. By the way, if there is a stubborn sin that you're not repenting from, turning from, do you know what your first problem is? Humility. Your heart is full of pride and you don't think that you owe God anything. You don't think your sin is that bad. You don't know God. Here's where God is. He's absolutely holy, and you are his created being. So humility is required if reconciliation is going to happen. Now, these guys were convinced that Job was not right with God and being chastened for some hidden sin. Now Job's intercession would be required to bring them back into a right relationship with God. So notice verse 8, for him, the end of the verse, for him, and it's speaking here in the original of his face, his person, him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, and that you have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. Now, Job had questioned God's justice and had spoken words from his heart that were not right. But then he spoke right words and got right with the Lord. Here's what's amazing about the book. Don't miss this point. Job's companions theorized that that God was judging Job for some hidden sin. Remember that? Chapters of that. And in so doing, they were guilty of representing God's justice as well. Isn't it amazing? These guys were guilty of the same thing that Job was. God called Job out on it, and now he's calling these guys out on it. Well, Job, you're being judged for, for sin. Well, you are misrepresenting, guys. You're misrepresenting God's justice because he didn't sin and God's not chasing him for sin. Be careful what you accuse others of. Without being political, one of my frustrations with this liberal bunch running our government 
If they're accusing the other side loudly, they've already done it. They're just too spiritually blind to see it. And by the way, Christians can be spiritually blind. We want to point out the errors and the wrongs in other people's lives. We're guilty of the very same thing. Well, my parents didn't do this and this and this for me, and, 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 and if they'll make these things right, then I'll get right. But your response to your parents may be the very same thing that you're accusing them of. Oh, how deceitful the heart is. And so these men needed to repent of the same thing that Job had done, calling into question uh, God's justice or misrepresenting it. Now, how do these men respond to the Lord? Look at verse 9. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the Namathite, went and did according to, as, or according as the Lord had commanded them. And you can write in your notes or in the margin of your Bible, now they are reconciled. Now they're right with God. The Lord also accepted, and again, the idea here in the text is the face of Job. His presence, his favorable presence was restored. Now Job is reconciled. Now without the complete obedience that we see in this passage, these verses, the book of Job could have ended with none of these men being right with God. What a tragedy that would have been. Seeking forgiveness from others. Matthew 5.23, if you come to the altar with your gift and you remember that you're not right with somebody, leave your gift and go make that right. That's what God says. Seeking forgiveness from others, granting forgiveness to others. Uh, We see that again in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6.12. These are prerequisites for being forgiven by God. I'm not talking about your positional sanctification. Once you're saved, you're always saved. All your sins have been been washed away by the blood of Christ. But you can have broken fellowship with God. Your sonship is not in question. But you can have broken fellowship with God if you are not right with somebody else and you know it. I believe with all my heart that one of the reasons that the church in America lacks the power of God is because we have assemblies that sit and worship every week and there's somebody on one side of an auditorium and somebody on the other side and they know things are not right here. But we'll worship, we'll pretend that everything's right, God's not buying it. He's he's not. Again, all our relationships work in tandem. God says, if you bring your gift to the altar and you're not right, leave it there. I will not accept it is the whole idea unless you make right with somebody else. By the way, this all points to the way our God does his work and it also reminds us of the Lord Jesus. Obviously, Jesus never wronged anybody. But you realize that Job's life and all that we see happening in this last chapter prefigures the work of Jesus Christ. 
Job was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, who others thought had been smitten by God and afflicted. See all those parallels? Yet Job made intercession for his companions who had sinned. And their only hope of reconciliation was through God's appointed intercessor. In the book of Job, the intercessor is Job. But when it comes to all men, our intercessor is Christ. All of us have offended God's justice by our sin, and our reconciliation to God is only through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And of course, that takes into account what he would do in his suffering at the cross to reconcile men to God. And we would be remiss if we closed this series, did not challenge uh, all of us to consider, do you know Jesus Christ as Savior? Do you know him? We are all born in sin. We're sinners. We are not qualified for heaven. We can't go to heaven if we're still in our sin. And that's why Jesus left heaven and came into our suffering, into our misery. They accused him. Isn't that amazing? A perfect life, miracles, no sin. They accused him. In fact, those accusations led to a false charge that ended up with Jesus on the cross. Now, he went there willingly, but it's by his stripes that we are healed. And if you don't know Christ as Savior, you have to look to the cross. Look to the cross and realize that what Jesus accomplished there paid your sin debt. He became your sin, your substitute, so that you could have his righteousness by faith. You're a child of Satan until you're saved. When you get saved, now you can become a son of God. Not God, like the, like the cults teach, no, but a child of God. So there was a wonderful exchange that took place, and now, through the truth of Scripture, God is reminding you again, today you can be saved. Admit to God you're a sinner. Realize that you're on your way to an eternity of judgment unless you are cleansed from your sin. So you come to Christ you believe on what he did at the cross and you admit to him you're a sinner. You receive Christ, invite him to be your savior and at that very moment, friend, he'll wash your sin away, give you his righteousness, give you a home in heaven. You're eternally saved. Now to show that the reconciliation is complete, notice verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. What was that captivity? Well, the captivity certainly was. Right now, he was still under Satan's influence to be able to keep him in poor health. His possessions were gone. Uh, the captivity that is a result of an attack from the enemy but I think that this is really referring to the captivity in his own heart. Do you know what doubled the suffering that Job was in? Job wasn't sure about his standing with God. Do you know that you can have all the possessions in the world, but if you don't have God, you're in captivity. 
You're going to be miserable. You're going to be empty. And it doesn't matter what fun you have, what possessions you have, you are still going to be empty without Jesus Christ. Christian, one of the meanest critters on earth is a Christian not right with God. And sometimes I've been that mean critter. And by the way, so have you. But when we're right with God and we are at peace with God, the captivity is lifted. Job, again, doesn't have any of his possessions back. His health is still broken as he sits there, but his captivity has been lifted. Why? He is right with God. Do you know that some of the greatest rejoicing the Apostle Paul did uh, those moments of peace where, where he admonishes the church, especially in places like the book of Philippians, about jo- rejoicing and being at peace with God. Paul was in prison. Ah, that doesn't make any sense, right? You know you can be in captivity and not be in captivity. Job was no longer in captivity. And so as we go on in the text, God also brought about reconciliation between Job and his extended family. Look at verse 11. I mean, this is just complete. This is amazing. Verse 11, then came there unto him all his brethren and his sisters and all they that had been of his acquaintance before and did eat bread with him in his house, and they bemoaned or they consoled, they tried to encourage him and to comfort him. Now this all sounds good, but I wonder if this also tested Job. These were the Fairweather family and friends. These are the folks that leave you in winter and then come back in the spring. I hope you've never had friends like that. Some have. King David talked about those kinds of friends. Job had those kinds of friends. How do we know? Well, go back to Job 19 and let's be reminded of what happened. When Job needed these folks the most, notice what Job 19 and verse 13 says. Now again, he's pointing to God for causing this, and this is what got Job in trouble. But here's the reality physically of what he was facing. He hath put my brethren far from me. Mine acquaintances are verily estranged from me. My kinfolk have failed, and my familiar friends have forgotten me. They that dwell in mine house and my maids count me as a stranger. I am an alien in their sight. I called my servant, and he gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth. My breath is strange to my wife, though I entreated for the children's sake of mine own body. Now, we could preach a whole different message on Mrs. Job. I am very gentle with Mrs. Job. She lost possessions and children too. She just wanted to see the suffering of her husband end. I believe that she knew the Lord. I think we're going to see her in heaven. But if Job would just die, this would be over for him. And that would be far better. But I don't think they had a close relationship through this trial. 
And even those who, who know the medical side of this and what Job suffered say that this particular disease, it makes people's breath smell like they're already dead. And so when they all come back, I wonder if Job struggled in his own heart. But I think Job understood God is reconciling everybody here. Now they too understood through God's words and Job's words. They're hearing what, what had happened in the exchange with Job. I think Job explained it to him. Here's what God said. Here's what God said to me about these companions of mine. God is reconciling everything. And with that working understanding... They comforted Job over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Now understand that word evil is not the word for sin, but it's the word for difficulty, for trials, that these trials that the Lord had brought upon him. Now notice that is not Job speaking. That is the Holy Spirit of God speaking, and that is critical in this text. Watch what the Lord is doing here. The Holy Spirit here credits all that has happened in Job's life to the gracious workings of God. He doesn't blame Satan. Job blamed God, but not in a way of trust. But what the Lord is doing here is helping all of us see who was in control through the whole book of Job. Help me. It was God. same God that allowed these other things now is reconciling. We're going to see in a moment, and he's going to restore everything too. That's your God who knows what he's doing. So verse 11, every man also gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. These valued items were tangible expressions of their love and support for Job. Job, we're here, we're saying these things, and here's a gift showing you that we mean it. Those gifts cost him something. Now Job, his accusing companions, and his fair-weather family all are brought to a place where they are all in agreement that God is always just. He can be trusted to completely uh, do what is right on, on behalf of his servants regardless of their circumstances. And by the way, his family... His extended family didn't know this, experiencing this personally. Certainly they grieved when the children died. But here, here's the other thing that we need to understand. God may allow something to happen to someone in your family to teach you the very lessons that God had for Job to learn. Don't get on the pity wagon. Get on the faith bus. So we've seen God's grace and reconciliation. Just as the Almighty had been masterful in handling the attack of Satan and the suffering of his servant Job, he is perfect and gracious in bringing about complete reconciliation between Job and those who were close to him. Isn't God amazing? That's amazing. We're going to close out this book and everybody's going to be right with God and each other. Was it worth it? Absolutely. That's the point. Oh, you wake up or the phone rings or you get a text and all of a sudden your world feels like this, the circumstances, my world's crashing down. Well, let's just see what God is about to do.
Let's see what he's about to do. This is not the time for panic. Why? Because we know God. We know God. Now let's notice finally God's grace in restoration. I know our time is up. Look at verse 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning for the for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 she-asses. It also seven sons and three daughters. Wow. Yes, God did give Job twice all that he had. Seven sons and three daughters were already in heaven. So he gets 10 more. What's the point? They're just those who succeed the 10 who are already with the Lord. Children are not physical assets or a commodity. They're eternal souls. God doubled the number of children Job and Mrs. Job had as well. God wants to see that when he blesses, he gives what is best. Seven sons, seven number of perfection in the scripture, seven sons, God perfectly responded to the emptiness that Job had regarding his children. Wow. Can't imagine what that was like. And his daughters have unparalleled beauty in the land. Verse 14, and he called the name of the first Jemima. The name of the second Keziah, the name of the third, Karen. Just seeing if you're awake this morning. You pronounce it for me, okay? (laughs) All right, we're all back together again. Now, would you look at verse 15? And in all the land there were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job, And their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. So Job, a man who knows God, who knows fairness, as demonstrated with his daughters, the testimony of Job's family, Job is one of harmony and fearing God. And how does the record of heaven end with this man? Verse 16, after this lived Job 140 years. Satan had tried to kill him. Didn't happen. And saw his sons and his sons' sons even, how many generations? Four generations. So Job died being old and of full and full of days. That, so we, we close the epilogue with an epitaph. And what's the epitaph? If you read through the scripture and you see how God signs off on his choice servants, Abraham, David, you know what God puts on their tombstone? What you just read here. And God assigned that to Job as well. The ending of Job is not meant to show that God treats suffering servants with stuff. Instead, for Job, this was a divine vindication, all these things. 
of God's compassion and God's justice. So Job's companions and all of God's people, including us, remember to trust God. I'm going to give you that word again. Total agreement about God. Regardless of what happens with our circumstances. Can you trust him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is he perfecting that which concerns you and me? Oh, yeah. And by the way, even if we lose things here, even if Satan is allowed to have his way in some areas, will you experience complete restoration? And will you experience, or will God have complete vindication when we're no longer on this planet and we're with the Lord, yes or no? That's got to be our focus. That's what we have to be zeroed in, zoned in on, all right? And so God is good. And this is the truth that God has for us when saints suffer. Let's close. Father, we come to you today not just as the God we pray to, We come to you as the God who is our perfect Father who loves us. Lord, we change. We fail. You cannot change and you will not fail. Lord, when our circumstances shake us, Lord, when that happens, we must run to the name of our God who is our strong tower. Lord, we must agree with you about your compassion, your justice, and that as the one who judges and superintends this universe, you will do what's right. And so, God, would you, again, as we close out this series this morning, would you help us to confess our agreement on that? And then, Lord, would you burn it into our hearts? Lord, there are folks hurting here who had a loved one taken away. Some have had their health taken away. Maybe a child taken away. Maybe there's a young person who's had a parent taken away. And Lord, they have chosen, perhaps, to call your justice into question. In fact, our fallen flesh can say, well, if... If that's who God is, I I don't even know that I want to believe in him. And Lord, we throw all this stuff up and it hasn't changed you or your love for us or what you are doing on our behalf. And Lord, perhaps there are some listening who need to just repent of those thoughts today as Job repented. And Lord, help them to realize if they'll repent, it'll bring them out of bondage. You'll restore their captivity. Take it away. Right now, they're bound by unbelief. So, Lord, work in those hearts. Maybe there are those that, like Job early on, they're facing severe trials and and their flesh is tempting them to abandon you. But, Lord, they haven't run. Would you help them to agree with you today and increase their faith, strengthen them. Lord, restore their peace. You're not done with them you haven't given up on them your relationship hasn't changed with them and then father if there's one here who's not saved 
Lord, would you bring them out of the captivity of spiritual blindness today? Lord, they may think everything is just fine, but there's coming a day in their life, no doubt, when their life is going to slam into an awful trial. And Lord, they may feel pretty self-assured right now, but in that day, if they don't know you, they've got nothing. Lord, they, they will not know what to do. And so, Father, would you show them your gracious love at the cross and bring them to salvation today. Please, God, bring them to yourself. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.